Today's episode is brought to you by Jaipur Living. Jaipur Living is committed to the craftsmanship and quality of handmade rugs and textiles. They are keeping this age-old tradition alive through their partnership with over 40,000 artisans across India. Start creating beautiful lives for your clients across all price points by opening a trade partnership account. Sign up at jaipurliving.com hyd. This week, we're talking about setting our projects up for success. Because yes, a big part of our job is creative, but we spend a lot of time setting client expectations. So we're breaking down some ideas through automation, emails, forms, and templates. And since so much is out of our hands, we can take these steps to help prepare our clients. Let's go. Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? I I don't know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you you're gonna do a little operatic for us. <laughs> I will not. Yeah. <laughs> my pitch is up. Um, yeah, it's the dead of summer, basically. It's that long no man's land before Cecily goes back to school, mm-hmm. but like after you've been able to do some of like the fun summer stuff and you're like, well, is something else fun going to happen in here mm-hmm. or nothing at all? And realizing that's all up to me. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like nothing. If you want gonna... there to be fun, you have to do it. I have to make the fun. Yep. Okay. Mom, mom life, but also not also regular like non-parent life that you still yeah if you want something cool to happen and no one's jumping in you're gonna have to do it yeah make the fun i'm still holding out that you guys that we're gonna have an la trip because i've done the sacramento trips i know it's not off the table so (laughs) tbd okay (laughs) i have what is it yeah we're talking about like two weeks (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Coming in, coming in hot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Stay tuned. Let's talk about fizzles and sizzles. Speaking okay, of hot summers. Hot. It's a, oh, wait, what was that song? It's a cool, cool summer. Cruel oh, summer? What? Cruel summer? Oh, Banana yeah, that Rama? makes more sense. Is that them? Yeah. Is that Banana Rama saying cruel summer? Oh, you're probably thinking of some sort of remake, like Ace of Base or some shit. I mean, Taylor Swift has a new song called Cruel Summer, but that's not that's, the one I'm thinking that's of. That's not it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm thinking Banana Rama. Okay, we'll link a little <laughs> video to that in the YouTube. Everyone <laughs> needs my, a little bit of that. It's my childhood soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, that's not a fizzle sizzle. It just popped into my head. Okay. No. Let's. Let's get into the fun. I feel like this, we're going to, I'm really going to try not to make this as a, this a complaint train episode. Okay. Okay. Well, so we'll keep it short and sweet. No? Because yeah. oh. setting client expectations, <laughs> setting client expectations all starts with setting designer expectations, which will lead into 
my fizzle and sizzle. Okay. Okay. So my fizzle, I ordered a custom chair for my client, one of my clients who also happened to be my parents. Client expectations have been, (laughs) (laughs) this has been a great exercise in managing client expectations. Yeah. Because the veil is a little bit dropped with family in this case and they but they are making in big investments so you wanted them to have a great experience with it so sure and i had to talk them into you know getting nicer things than they normally would get which includes like custom ordering things which means longer lead times right um especially now as we all know so we ordered well we ordered a sofa a semi-custom sofa and a chair two different vendors and the chair had, I think it was a 14 week lead time, which isn't, isn't that's bad. not terrible anymore. No. Yeah. <laughs> the sofa is like pushing 40. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe 30. Anyway, the chair finally came. Okay. So, the chair, I'm not going to name names, but it's a large manufacturer who has some retail presence, but has a great trade program as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Quality is supposed to be good had really great communication like their um, manager on in their local store is really great um we get the chair it is so rough like the panels on the side it's like a glider rocking chair kind of a thing the panels on the side are like bunched and super wavy like ripply yeah really ripply on both sides like where the shoulder seams i guess of the top of the chair come together one is like fine and then one is pinched it there's where the staples go in it like damaged the frame a little bit or it looks like i mean more than eight problems so yeah it's it was a big quality assurance issue then because i don't know why that left the warehouse like that exactly that didn't happen during shipping no 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 and the, I guess these manufacturers obviously are really stressed. They're pushing things out quickly, but come on, you're like just gunking up the works when we have to redo stuff. Yeah, it would have been better for them to have like said, oh, we went through quality assurance. It didn't pass. We need more weeks. That would have been so much easier because now you're, you have it and have to deal with the whole process of replacing it. Yeah, or there's a technician, I think, that's going to come look at it. I mean, maybe they could pop the panels off and clean it up. That's possible based on where the stuff is. I mean, hopefully. (laughs) I don't want to start over again with this lead time. It's like... Yeah, why is it that with that kind of stuff, I feel like this is a big miss on our industry that um, oftentimes dealing with the problems moves you to the back of the line. Right. Instead of like, oh, we have an expedited process where we put a priority on your work because you've already gone through all of this instead of for many of the vendors. I don't I don't know, but it's really frustrating. So. Fizzle. And yeah, and then like the daughter trying to convince the parents (laughs) of doing something new and then it looking like. And then it's not good. Yeah. And then they're annoyed and. So yeah, that was fun. So hopefully we get that. <laughs> I don't love that journey. I don't love that journey for you. 
And I'm just going to stay with a fan. I'm like a theme fizzle sizzle lately. So um, the family theme, I finally started working on my daughter's bathroom. So we have a third bathroom in our house that's been kind of the keep the door closed kind of a room. Yeah. And it's down the hall. It's like right next to her bedroom. And it's a good sized bathroom, but we've almost never used it. It's it, it's like the last resort bathroom. Yes. <laughs> and even then, like, and it's almost like it's condemned or something in our, just the way we use it. The way like, you treat it. The way we don't use it. Yeah. But mostly because it's just like really ugly and boring. And some of it's a little gross. Like some of the plumbing fixtures were gross. So I'm over sharing a bathroom with three people in our big house. It's so stupid. Well, she always wants to use your super glamour time bathtub. And you're like, hey, uh, this is my glamour time tub. Yeah. And the tub is one thing, but it's the now that she's almost seven, it's the ponytail holders and the and it's taking up all your space. Oh my god, it's everywhere. So I just need her trash to be on her side of the house. So <laughs> roommate problem, permanent permanent roommate problem. <laughs> yes. So I'm trying to lure her over there, but it'll be fun. We're doing really fun. Like I don't know, my seven year old dreams of floral everywhere. Just it's kind of a temporary bathroom, so I I'm kind of going crazy with it. I think so. it's kind of fun because it's um something you would have never been able to do like with yourself growing up, but now you can kind of give that to Cecily, which is kind of cool. Yes. Actually, my parents did let me do kind of weird stuff like that, which I feel like was a really great like encouragement for me as a creative person. So it's your primer. Yeah. So I'm letting her origin story. She's helping me a little (laughs) bit making some choices and yeah. It's fun. It's fun to just, it's fun to not have a client. Like, yeah. <laughs> seven and, and not, no pressure from a one room challenge, actually, because it does exactly. get intense. I do so. have a sponsor, but it's the timeline is not as intense as that. So, yes. Okay, yes, good. Yes, yes. I know. I've been watching. I like the videos. I like hearing the little snippets of Cecily's involvement because I feel like she's figuring out what she can get away with, but you also have to rein her in. Oh, yeah. She'll get involved. She'll get involved more soon. Stay yeah. tuned. Studio Plum Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, on my side, okay, Sizzle was, I mentioned this during our last episode, I got to get away to Palm Springs literally the first time that I've done a vacation getaway during all of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And we... We had, I, th- I mentioned it in past episodes, we were like planning an even longer vacation. We were going to go to the East Coast. It didn't work out. So this was kind of like the, okay, let's fall back, regroup the troops, get some friends together. We rented the coolest um, Airbnb. Well, I don't think it, well, I take that back. It might've been on VRBO. Verbo. Verbo. branded. Oh, Verbo. It sounds like Furby... Yeah, it does. Or I don't know what it's giving. It's not, that's not giving me the ooh la la. We, what was cool about it is it's three little bungalows. So two of them are two bedroom bungalows. One of them's a one bedroom bungalow. We had, you can have up to 10 people, which is really like a cool size for having a like friends group, 
sort of fun weekend. But everybody has their own spaces yeah, to retreat to. Yeah, and you're not to. sharing a kitchen and a bathroom. Yeah. yeah, three kitchens. There were one, two, no. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five bathrooms, which is like plenty for 10 people. Um, but it it would not have been as fun if you were sharing the three bungalows with different parties like who didn't know each other, if only mm-hmm. because you are like sharing the common area, which was the most magical place was the pool, the outdoor living spaces, all of that. Like, what, yeah. if, they were, what if they're douchebags? Like, I don't want to be with them. They're like, yeah, partying out there. No. Like, yeah, that would be weird for me. So, and then you have like neighbor conflicts, you know, you don't, you're like, oh God. This is in Melrose so Place. For us, it was yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For us, it was great because it was all us. We were able to plan our meals. Mm-hmm. We were able to like, share everything, have stuff. It was really cool. I I did take my laptop. I did not open it once. And I oh, really good. was like, I I really thought like, oh yeah, I need to get, there's some stuff I should get done before the new week. And the vacation atmosphere took over and totally made me not do it. So that was really unexpected and very nice. And now it has me wanting to plan, like I need to do more of this more often. It reminded me, of the importance of having more of those resets. Mm-hmm. So more of those, there's some in the works. They're just not anything I'm, we're ready to like lock down and talk about yet, but that was a fun one. That sounds fun. And that place, yeah, that place looked really cool. So there's not like a main house. They're all just the little casitas. Yeah, they're all there. It's like the, it's like an L shaped house and they're all separate bungalows. Oh but they're all connected to each other. So it maybe was one large house. Okay. Like, like a originally or something. And then someone remodeled it to be three separate bungalows, but they, they don't have connecting walls. Like, or I should say they have shared walls, but there's no doors between them. Mm-hmm. So you can't like open them all up, which is actually yep. great. Like yeah. everybody no, had privacy, that. little kitchens. It was perfect. So, and Palm Springs actually like if you're in the pool all day, like we were, I mean, you don't it's really so nice need at to night be inside. Too. Yeah, like it's, it's like, floating in the pool. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was just nice to be out, even when it was like a hundred and seven one day. You're in the water. You got a big hat on. Who cares? Like, <laughs> literally, don't cocktail leave. in hand. Yeah. Yep. Don't even care. So that was perfect. And then um, the downside is this morning I got a a text from a friend who I was planning on seeing tonight for dinner. And I think this is the bigger fizzle of all of this is um, the damn Delta variant and all the potential exposures that people are having and people having to isolate. And so my friend has to isolate. uh, Your friend wasn't on the trip was. No, she wasn't on the trip. It was someone else. And um, I was going to see her for dinner and a coworker of her husband's came into town for a work trip and he carpooled with a couple of the coworkers. He turns out had a, had a COVID exposure and then ended up testing positive through before it, it happened even before he left on his trip. So then he was in the airport on planes oh in cars, sharing a car with these coworkers um, and so, so far they're, they're all going to, you have to just like wait it out. And yeah, now we're an back exposure, to this again. Not like, a, yeah. So now we're just in this game of maybe everyone's, some people won't. Everyone's vaccinated. 
my friend and her husband are, but it's unclear. Like now they have to piece together, like were all these coworkers, were they all or not? And so it's just that level of, you just have to think like, God, like we have to be so vigilant and yes, we should be, but man, we can't let our guard down. And it's so disappointing. And for us, sure. It's just a dinner in within 10 days, we can talk about putting something back out there, but I just really hate the atmosphere of having to go back to that. Cause we've done this already. This is like, it's a disease of the unvaccinated at this point and it's ruining good times for people who are because yeah. What if my friend does have it? And then, and then we're, and then I have it like, then we're just out there spreading it around to people, even though we're vaccinated. Like that's not cool. But yeah, the people were going in their homes, like their kids aren't vaccinated. And I don't, yeah, it's, I got, I kind of got into some fights with people in my DMS yesterday. It's, there's just a lot of, Here's my thing. There's a lot of misinformation and a lot of confusion, probably Mm -hmm. on both sides of the aisle, if you would. My thing is, I chose to get vaccinated to protect myself and my community. And if I get sick or something happens, I feel okay with that choice because of my intentions. Right. The random people, I'm not talking about people with... Any kind of risk, risks. yeah, like immunosuppressed people or people who heart can't murmurs, be like whatever. Yeah. I'm not talking about that. The minimal risk of getting the vaccine is worth it to help our community and world at large, like the greater good. Yeah, yeah, and and for some people, I could see where they don't they don't think that, and I just think it's just this. It's for me. It was it's like this is what I have to do. This is what I. This is what we need to do right now. We need to be vaccinated. We because I don't want to live in this world where this is our reality for the rest of my life. That's a really yeah. fucking long time. I mean, it's just crappy. I don't, and I don't want to put clients at risk. Like we're in such an intimate role in in people's homes that I don't want to do that, and it limits my ability to get work done, which means I'm not getting paid. Yeah. You know, like that's that's a huge factor for me. And I don't know. It's just frustrating. It's definitely a fizzle that we're back at this again of having to think about, oh, if I did have an exposure, who was I around? Where was I? So it really is forcing me to look at, sadly, like you look at your overall social circle and the people around you and you're like, who can I trust? Who's being safe? Who's being cautious? And truly like, LA is still, and you know, too, up in Northern California, it is, it's still this kind of hotbed atmosphere. Um, Okay. Well, let's, let's Let's get get into the nitty gritty here. Okay. The, the main idea was we're having to really set clear client expectations. I feel like one, it's super important because it shows the client that they can have confidence in our process. So it makes them a little bit more agreeable or it tends to make them feel a little bit more taken care of. Like we've anticipated things that's already planned for. And the more organized we look, the easier it is to kind of stay on board and not start questioning getting paranoid during the design process yeah so that would be more of the like formal pieces that we're going to discuss right i think in general i i mean 
I feel like we could be called interior designers or expectation managers. <laughs> like, I feel like, <laughs> honestly, that's 95% of our job, right? Yes. And it's hard, especially it's, right now. Well, because, you don't. I'm. I've expressed this, that I don't like being a source of, I personally don't want to be a source of disappointment as a person. Like, that bothers me when I say I'm going to do something and I, and, and it's going to happen. It frustrates me if I can't provide that. Well, and you're only as good as the information you have. Right. So yeah, there's delays, there's, there's back orders, there's everything. But I think the more that we can set clients up for that, the less pressure that puts on us of like, well, I did warn you like this, this -hmm. could happen or this is normal. And then it sort of starts removing it from ourselves as, people pleasers. And I don't normally think of myself as a people pleaser. I get more frustrated that if I could control something or avoid it, and then I didn't, that bothers me because Mm. I'm like, oh, I could have just, why didn't I send that email two weeks ago when I thought this was going to happen? So I could warn someone and then they wouldn't be frustrated or disappointed right now. Um, So yeah, because so much of emotion is about expectations. Like I mean, Mm -hmm. dealing with my six-year-old, half of my job is, again, to manage her expectations. Like, if she can kind of have the right outlook from the beginning, then the chance of her being upset is a lot less. So treat clients like six-year-olds. Yeah, they're going into first (laughs) grade. They got a lot to learn. Yeah. (laughs) They They don't know anything about what's happening. And the more we tell them what's normal... What's and within like Veruca, range? Little Veruca salts. They I want, want it, it now. now, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes to that. So, how do we get Veruca under control early? Mm-hmm. Go back, Turn her into a Charlie. Yeah, hotties, you got to go back first to our process party series. Several episodes that stand out are really helpful in the setting expectations for potential clients, like before they're even signed a contract with, was episode eight, process party part one, client intake. That's a big one because we talk about the systems, the online tools and everything that kind of helps start getting conversations moving before any meetings. Mm -hmm. Episode 10 was process party part two about how we organize and structure and prepare for consultations. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's also really helpful because we have some guides and things that go out to clients before. And the consultation process itself should be setting a lot of expectations, like what you should be considering for a kitchen budget at a very high level. Like, right. And timelines. Like it's not $10,000. It's (laughs) $80,000. Yes. Completely that. And then episode 18 was process party part three, where we talk about proposals and that really gets into exact project expectations because we're setting timelines, estimates, price levels, hours, you know, all of that stuff, I think gives clients a really clear picture of what's going to happen. With a contract attached to it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then they can sign the contract and get on board. And another good reference back was once they're onboarded, we just did episode 54 process party part eight around budget expectations. Yeah. 
and we'll touch on that a little bit, but yeah, that goes really deep into how we get clients to understand what things are going to cost and just streamline the process. Totally. It's, I mean, I think if anything from this, we should be understanding that this is a constant and ongoing effort. And I think we realized as we were planning for this episode that a lot of it is also not a hundred percent um, planable, like you can't automate all these steps. You really have to be paying attention to your process and when things need to be said or emailed or done. So that way clients recognize that it's not just this formulaic approach, it's customized to them and we can ease that workload a little bit for ourselves. Yeah. If the automate, like as far as automation goes, we could have, I, I don't have this, but you could have an automated reminder that pings you Mm -hmm. to have a conversation. So it doesn't go directly to the client, but it gives you some information and tools to remember like, hey, this is a good time to sit them down and talk them through this again, like talk about freight and receiving or whatever. Right. With the current information. Yeah, and using current information (laughs) because It's changing all the time. It's a moving target. So I think this is like the, okay, there's some stuff you can do to really set the stage right, relieve some of that pressure, anxiety, get clients onboarded properly. Mm -hmm. And then these are some steps from this episode that can help you get through the whole long remainder of the design process. Where should we start? Well, I think like in general, I think, I think, we should talk about just in general how you're handling conversations around COVID related issues, supply chain, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because we're living in a very specific time. And that's what's impacting a lot of frustration on our part, on clients' mm-hmm. part, everybody. It's honestly, it's a whole world if we're being real. So, yeah. I mean, I think you do need to set aside time to be reading the news. And keeping up with things that are related to shipping, supply chain, watching what's happening to other industries. I mean, the news is doing a pretty good job of reporting it. And specifically our vendors. So uh, I learned a lot about the vendors that I use and their lead times from these Facebook groups. Like, what is a realistic lead time right now running for row, for instance, with upholstery? I don't, mm-hmm. they don't send out updates like, oh, we're now at 32 weeks. You don't other know other designers that. are. Other designers are. And you don't know that until yeah. you start engaging with the client about the project. So it's kind of good to just have in the back of your head, like when you're in early conversations with a client, just so you know, like my upholstery vendor is running at 25 weeks right now, whatever yeah. it is. Um, and that's something you just need to kind of stay informed about and it's literally changing daily so it is very hard but i i just kind of keep an idea on the bigger vendors that i use like maybe cabinets mm-hmm. items like figure out what those like big ticket items are from a cost perspective but mostly time so that yeah. they're getting ordered in advance Yeah, I feel like I've had, because I'm in pre-construction phases on a couple projects right now. So we've been talking with different trades, contractors about 
windows, doors, you know, lead times on that, plumbing fixture lead times. So hearing from other industry professionals about what that is, how it's working out for them is helping to inform my conversations. If you're working on a lot of like furnishing or decorating projects, talking to the reps, if there's, you know, third-party reps or other reps about Mm -hmm. what they're seeing, I feel like their perspective is good. And sometimes we forget, like they they don't mind hopping on a fifteen minute phone call real quick if you're looking for a quick download. Like no, that's... and they want to manage our expectations because we're managing our clients' expectations, which ultimately are their clients. So, yeah, staying informed is really it's not easy, but it's I think really important. Yeah. So add research journalism to your resume of entrepreneurial tasks where you need to do your own investigative reporting and find out what's going on. Because yeah, the more you can do that. I've even forwarded a few articles to clients that related to conversations we had had and go, oh, this was a good one. So the more we can share that. New York Times agrees. It's not just me. (laughs) The Wall Street Journal reports. Like the more we can put it out, the better. And I've um, also heard, and I've been doing this too, of a few designers who are changing their process a little bit. So instead of presenting an entire, let's say for furnishing an entire living room at once, it's like, okay, let's nail down the sofa Mm. and the custom whatever table. Because that's going to take the longest lead. It's like three times the time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's smart to get the big pieces done. And then let's just adapt the because process. Because if you're waiting so we eight weeks, like you're like wasting eight weeks, I should say in quotes, eating up eight weeks, yeah. <laughs> um, getting all the other pieces together when like, we know where the sofa's going to go, like the floor plan's done. So let's just lock that in and then we'll work around it. Yeah, it feels better to get those pieces moving and at least have some control back. Not really, but you know, but it also, I think it's, um, and then it also helps clients feel like they're participating in some, like the silence, you know, like the communication silence downtime is broken up. Yeah, because it does get when you're just waiting on procurement phases. Yeah, it's all ordered. Bye. See you. It's all ordered, but like, yeah, yeah, that's the part that's frustrating (laughs) is like for clients. Yeah, you can tell them, oh, this stuff isn't going to be available until October or whenever. And but they're still wanting to know, like, did that change? Has it updated? What should I know? Yeah, that's kind of happening. Yeah, that they want to know that you're not completely ignoring them because they did just hand over checks with money and purchasing and they that's a long time. It can make them feel anxious. And then they're seeing sales and they're seeing other stuff and you keeping them informed on the process will keep them engaged, less likely to stray. And so drawing um, out the process is a little bit of a way to just keep them engaged with yeah, it. Yeah, back to like treat them like babies. Like if they're little kids on a long airplane ride, you don't just give them the bag of toys the first go. You give them one toy at a time. Every Start hour they get something this. new. Oh wait, look a snack. Exactly. Oh look this game you can do with play with mommy for like 30 minutes. And, and then before, okay, leave mommy before alone. Before they know it, they're there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Exactly. We're talking so, adults, but still. That's pretty much what it's like.
Hagen Designers Club is proud to partner with Jaypour Living. When we're looking for trade vendors, things we care about are beautiful products, how easy it is to order, and whether we're supporting companies who are doing good in the world. We both really believe that a good rug makes the room, and Jaypour Living helps us bring quality rugs and textiles into our projects. Their website makes it quick to track inventory, place orders, and even get pricing on customized rugs. And Jayport Living is a family-owned company with a focus on social responsibility. They are changing the lives of more than 40,000 artisan weavers throughout India by providing a living wage, education, and access to healthcare. So that means that every rug we sell to our clients is helping someone support their family. And hotties, we know you're going to love supporting women in business. More than 85% of Jaypur Living's weavers are women, and they're a female-led company. Head to jaypurliving.com slash HYD to sign up for your trade partner account today. Pandemic-related conversations. I just think there's so much bad news um, with almost every project that I've been involved with, things that I could never predict, and, you know, again, constantly changing. We need to really be good cheerleaders celebrating the good stuff. Like, think about how many decisions we've made. This is so great. Yeah. Like, you guys oh have gosh, a really solid the, plan. The doorknobs came. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> like, Look how beautiful this. these are. Okay, now let's put them in storage for five months. Like, <laughs> Yes. Like, things that maybe you wouldn't really make a deal out of before. Find every little shiny object. Make them feel engaged and excited. And remind them... That it's going to be worth it. This is part of the process. Yeah. We're going to. Completely. You're going to have a kitchen before Thanksgiving next year. <laughs> <laughs> if you the, hadn't, if you hadn't yes. started it, you definitely wouldn't. So. Told, that's what I'm trying to reinforce. It's like, well, you might as well start now because it's, it's not looking like it's going to get better. So if yeah. you want it in 2023, go ahead and wait. If, if you already wanted it now, and you'll just be happy that you get it sometime in 2022. <laughs> You're still going to love it in 2022, but you definitely have to start now. Yeah. So, yes. Get your totally. little Yeah. We've got to be optimistic and encouraging. And, yep. Yeah. Because we can get frustrated in the process because we're repeating it with each client over and over. But for them, mm-hmm. it's the first time they're doing it. So it feels that much more sensitive. Um, and they're living through it. Yeah. Speaking of sensitivities talking about vaccinations mm-hmm. i with all my current clients i feel like it's just it, it is coming up because for many of us we were going through the vaccination journey together so it has found its way into natural communication with bringing on new clients i find a way to bring it up during if not during discovery calls where we're kind of you kind of hint towards covid wearing masks that kind of thing And then during consults, it almost inevitably starts to come up. Part of that could just be where I'm located that a lot of people are already thinking about that. And they're, they're wanting to know by having me in their home. So it hasn't been awkward yet, but I have had people who like came, I came in for consults and they didn't have masks. And I was like, do you mind putting them on? Because I don't know what, I don't know what your vaccination status is. And they've been fine. Yeah, they put them on. And quite honestly, I believe that that one specific one, they were not vaccinated. They had no intention of being vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And so they were like not ready to have that conversation. Well, and it's a weird 
medical privacy thing. So yeah. it's not our business, but it's also our business. So we, we reserve the... the right to refuse service. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that's what no it is. No shirt, no yeah. shoes, no vaccination, no service. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. So that's the living in the times of pandemic sort of expectations. Yeah, it's awkward. But let's get it out of the way early and then we can move ahead. Like do it, rip the band. That's what we always in my past professional careers, we're always taught rip the bandaid off first, do the most awful part first, get that out of the way so you can move on to the other better parts of the conversation. Yeah, before there's so much fully immersed as well. Yeah, there's just so much anxiety and stress leading up to what it. About, Better to rip it off and go. What about contractors? Like I have a client that wanted to know if the contractor we were working with was vaccinated and that was up to me to navigate that conversation. And again, like I respect people's, ultimately I do respect people's medical choice and their privacy. Like if somebody was immune pers- repressed, they don't need to tell me that, you know, like in that instance. Right, right, right. So um, I just passed on the note, like the client wants to know if you're vaccinated and he actually wasn't. Okay. But then he's like, I just need a hand. But he was like, I just have to get it done. Like he was planning on it. He actually did go do it. So in a way. It kind of adds a little bit of social peer pressure to the situation of, hey, if you're not, you just got to tell us. Um, I don't mind having that conversation with contractors that I haven't met before. The ones that I do know already, we've already been kind of communicating back and forth through this whole past year. So I already know. But for anyone new, I like that idea of going, hey, like client just needs to be made aware, you know, just know that that means likely everyone's going to need to wear a mask when they're in the home. And it just puts a little bit more of some sensitivity around those things, which I feel like is okay to be talking about right now. Especially, yeah. In this case, the client had some medical stuff that they were concerned about. So it was important to them. Um, Yes, absolutely. So yeah, thanks COVID for making everything extra awkward. Awesome. Um, Should we do some of the like more business steps? Yeah. Okay. Um. This is more around like documents or whatever you can automate, right? Automate that shit. Yes. Especially if you have the same for, conversations more than one or two times. And especially with for those of us with boundary issues, we've talked about this. We talked about it in the boundary episode that I use these documents to kind of kick off the conversation and... I don't know. It helps yeah. me make sure that I have it. Um, oh my gosh, that was like episode 14. That was so long oh, ago. So that... Baby hotties. <laughs> yeah, so it helps just establish some conversations in the beginning. Right. For instance, I do a style questionnaire once a client is onboarded. And sure, like most designers, I would think, do style questionnaires. Asking about functionality and needs and things like that. But one Mm -hmm. of the questions that I added that's been really helpful is um, about social media tagging. I do say I'm sharing things behind the scenes, but while keeping your privacy in mind, but do you want to be tagged? And so then they can give me their handle too. Because some people, they get a kick out of saying that they're working with a designer and some people obviously do not. So that sets their expectations around what I'm doing. 
Yeah. And then they don't feel weird when they see me posting stuff that I'm going to like somehow reveal their identities. So Mm -hmm. that's like an expectation between both of us that I think is, if you're a social media person, smart to do in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I like the, I do like the design questionnaires also minor in, I think yours are in there too. Yours are in Dubsado too, right? Yeah. Yes. So I like that it's just a place that you can continually keep updating more to your process with each client. It can get a little better as you're realizing there's maybe some extra thoughts or questions or even new sections you want to add because it's not just the style and aesthetics, but for me, it's even around like the, the category I'm focusing on a lot right now has been care and maintenance because I need to ask questions really early on to find out how they take care of their home because Mm -hmm. that's going to dictate the design decisions and the material choices that I have to make. So yeah, someone might say they're really in love with marble, but if they really don't clean up stuff quickly, we're going to have a problem and I don't want to be blamed for it. So I like to ask questions around what types of cleaning products do you use? Are you open to changing those things based on what finishes you put in? Do you have a housekeeper? How often do they come? Who's mm-hmm. responsible for cleaning? That Those are like some big things that I can bring up early that avoid problems later. And it helps me preface that conversation around how do you use these materials in your home? Well, also, what are their expectations around the materials? Like some people really want to have a patinaed, well-worn looking kitchen and some right. people that would really freak them out. Oh, completely. And those are the types of questions that I think get us to setting expectations of the reason I'm showing you man-made quartz is because you talked to me about your cleaning process and all of this. And very few materials are going to really hold up to that type of wear and tear other than this. Also, you're not making assumptions, even though we could probably make a lot of assumptions based on our previous run-ins in the house. Yeah. And seeing, like, seeing their family like, at work. Oh, well, you and... clearly need something that's a little heavier duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the things we need to pay attention to. So that's good to have in those questionnaires is the functionality also. Or, yeah, they might like patinaed things, but they realistically know they're never going to want to wait for that awkward stage. It just prepares you for the finishes. And so, yeah, I don't know. Those are good things. My contract has details about communications and how they make decisions, who the lead is on a project, if they're spouses. Um, That's actually in my style, this style survey questionnaire. It's like, is it, for me, it's, I don't offer text message, so it really is email or phone call. Yeah, I say, (laughs) how would you prefer to be contacted, email or phone call, Um, and who will be my main contact to communicate appointments, questions, and decisions? Tell me the one person. Yeah, you guys be. handle some things on your own, but because we're not going to be able to do group conference calls for everything. No, and I'll CC both. Like if it's a couple, I'll CC both partners on there. But I want to know who am I really like needing to get a quick answer from? Like, so- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, some things are not going to be working by committee. <laughs> yeah, someone needs to say, hey, we talked about it. This is what we're doing. Yeah. And then you're like, great, I'm moving ahead. Let's do it. I like yours because you also ask... You're, you're also looking at asking questions about like shoes on or shoes off. Mm-hmm. That kind of reminds me of the cleaning conversation, which is helpful to know. And I want to put that, I keep meaning to do it. So this is my reminder. I want to put that in my consultation intake form because that's always like 
the awkward stage of, well, they're not wearing shoes. Yeah, it's like a nice, I, it breaks that ice of, okay, great. I'm going to take them off when I get to your door. And also, like, gross, but I kind of want to know what shape of my feet need to be in. Like, <laughs> do I need socks? <laughs> yeah. Or is it okay? Yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. summer. Like, like, I'm not going to come in with my sandals and then I, now I have sweaty feet. Yeah. Or have, winter, like, like my, your boots. Pedic- well, my pedicures aren't always like completely up to date because my feet are covered up. So, yeah, I know, this is gross feet talk, but they're legit. I mean, you're going to be in someone's house. Other document, you and I have talked about our good, better, best guides. You know, those budgeting guides. Episode 54 is a great place to go back to mm-hmm. to talk more about that. I think it's important to have that conversation start leading into it from the very beginning during the intake process, but then you really have to take a hard look at it during the project. Once they're signed is okay. We're going to confirm these numbers before we start generating project proposals around this, because it can't keep changing. We can't keep moving the target. And some people are really specific about things that they value. So Mm -hmm. for instance, like, okay, they, have agreed they have a $30,000 furniture budget, but I think we've talked about this before. They mm-hmm. might not want to spend 5,000 on a rug. Right. So it, even if it fits in the budget, that's not like how they're going to value it or they don't want to worry about it because of pets, kids, whatever. Yeah. So we need to know. So that's why I have that calculator form. Like pe- you can have a worksheet, whatever, where they can really fill it in and play with those numbers and you can see where they're valuing certain pieces. Yeah, I think it's just like the earlier you can have those types of conversations and then you can use it to, you can use it as a framework for the conversation of, hey, like I think this number where you put it is, it's it's okay. It's just, you also mentioned your goals were X, Y, and Z. And I don't think this price point is going to get you to that. Yeah. Are you okay with replacing these bar stools in five years? And then they might go, oh, we didn't really think about the durability of a really entry-level bar stool with how how much wear and tear our kids are going to put on it. Yeah, maybe we should go up a little bit more. Okay, yeah, I think that's good. Like, let's refine that conversation around it. Yeah, or when you do blow their budget, you can acknowledge (laughs) that you did. Like, hey, I know we only had like 500 in this column, but I found these for 750. Like, let's consider it and then it's only like then it's an incremental change and not from zero oh yeah then you're just like fully blowing everything it's only two hundred dollars i mean it's just time and money um so i feel like those are good get get documentation out there to help have those moments also for them really respectful yeah and one of the big things for me too is for the couple or families to have those conversations together before I get there. Yeah, that, get all that family therapy stuff out. Yeah, give I them homework in. to like they can hash some of this stuff out before I'm involved. Yeah. I think that's a smart way to do it. And I mean, yeah, we don't want to spend all of our time as couples therapy or family therapy. Mm, no, but <laughs> but we do it. It's the drama's <laughs> there. Um I, we were noticing as we were planning for this episode that I have a lot of stuff that's really around construction mm-hmm. and my process around construction has changed a lot 
over the years, because as I do each project, you realize there's one more thing that you would want to have go smoother or disclose or talk about or share just because it gives you something helpful to refer back to because it's, it's always stressful. Every remodeling or construction project is stressful. For sure. Um, all of mine are in Dubsado now. And one of them that's been the most helpful of late has been a, I call it working with general contractors. And it's actually set up as, um, it's a sub-agreement. That's like a proposal document sort of, but it's, they need to acknowledge everything and sign it. And there's a couple portions where they initial. And mainly it's because I want to make sure that clients understand that they are the one who is contracted with the contractor, not me. So even if I bring in a referred contractor, anything could happen. They're, they're not my contractor. They're signing a contract with a client. Right. So they're going to have responsibilities. They need to conduct reference checks. They need to know about the California State Contractors Board and go in and type in the license number. And I kind of use it as a way to empower the client that, hey, this is not my contractor anymore. They're going to be yours and you can pick whoever you want. I don't receive compensation from the contractor. So you have the onus is on you to also make sure you did your due diligence during the Yeah, process. you're just doing a little matchmaker. Yeah, but you still then... have to go on all the dates with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. So, but I tell them the things I look for, um, like knowing who the owner is, you know, who's going to be on the job site, what size company it is. You know, I give them some questions that can help with checking references because, yeah, cl- anybody is going to give you their best clients to be references. But there's always some more questions that you can ask about if there was one thing you would change about the project, what would it be? Um, Tell me about how the project budget was impacted. You know, those types of questions Mm -hmm. can get a reference to open up a little bit without them, you know, being derogatory or worried about sounding mean. Um, But all of those things are important for clients to know, like, this is your job too. You're going to be responsible for getting a copy of the contractor's insurance certificate, and that's a really helpful document because it, at this point, when we're getting ready to start collecting bids or having trades walk through, I want to reinforce to clients that this is not, they're not my employee. They're your, they're going to be your employee now. They're going to be working for you. So you should do these things to set yourself up. Um, and it helps inform them of kind of how it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I like that empowerment. The, the client has a lot of, um, they have a lot of rights and it's, I don't want that pressure coming back later. Well, like, this is the guy you brought up. It's like, well, you did your, you checked your references. What came up during that? Like, just because I've worked with them before and it was great. Doesn't mean every project will be great. Well, yeah. Plan for everything. No, definitely um, not. <laughs> definitely not. Speaking of projects getting off the rails, I do have a revised project timeline form that I send to clients when we start to really deviate from my initial estimates or plans. And it just kind of bumps the timeline forward from their original proposal and they just acknowledge it. What kind of like milestones are you putting in that? In, in that form, it is showing them what the original like 
we thought we would be through, it depends on like what phase we're at in the project where it starts to move off the rails. So let's just say like, usually for me, it comes in after we've done final design presentation and say we're waiting on city approvals. If I only estimated four weeks, but we're already at six weeks, I'm probably going to go in and update that timeline and show how they're, everything else following that is now mm-hmm. going to be pushed pushed back. Because I can't start collecting bids. I can't start, proc- I'm not going to start procurement if you're not even signed on with a contractor. Like, right. I don't want to start ordering goods. And then you find out your bids are coming in, you know, 30 grand higher and we have to cut material budgets. So those are types of things that I want to have laid out. And lately, the biggest holdup for me has been not on my design side. It's either on procurement or city approvals or just contractor availability. Like, oh, we thought a contractor would be available around this date. Turns out now because city approval moved, we're now looking at construction starting, you know, three months down the road. So it's more of an acknowledgement that they got this. So that way, you know, it says in my contract that, any any major changes to those will be put in writing. This is my way of putting it in writing where it's more formalized and not just in an email that they're like, oh, I never read through that. And you're like, oh, well, it was kind of important. Like, <laughs> right. I told you, I told you six weeks ago that we couldn't start having contractors come through. So it's helpful. Yeah, and you never know what, how people are interpreting things or remembering things. So, yeah. Yeah, so it just... Puts it there. They can always access it and look back at it. And it kind of um, avoids like a long phone call that they're not completely understanding. Like it's, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this re- is like, like, oh, you, you can, can follow they this can up process with a phone call. It slower. Yes, yes, exactly. Totally that. And then I think the last one that's really been helping recently is I have um, a third party sub agreement because I contract in um, draftsmen or um, engineers who are going to be brought into projects, you know, if I'm working on drawings. For the most part now, I'm really just doing elevation and detail portions of the drawings, and I'm working with third parties to create the rest of my permit sets. Mm -hmm. So I'm spending less time drafting, and those vendors provide me um, their timelines, their fee structure, their payment schedule, all of that. I'm I'm essentially hiring them, so I have a sub agreement that goes in with the details of that agreement and that basically the client is agreeing, yes, we're bringing in this party, we're responsible for paying you, you know, paying rents and interiors for it. And we recognize that that is separate from our design contract with you. So essentially it gives the client the right to those, whatever work process is created as part of that. I don't, I don't need to keep owning it. But I want them to know that, yeah, you're going to have to pay for that service. It's another party who's actually doing it. It's not me. Yeah. And you can't. Their own timelines. And you can't predict how much it's going to cost until you actually know what they're doing. And yeah. Yeah. And usually they give me like, here's a predictable range. Here's our predictable time frame. This is what we expect. And it, I, for me, it's helpful that I can just refer to clients of, hey, this is not happening in-house I don't control this whole process. I can influence it. Here's what it looks like. And they know they're, you know, on board for it. So that way they can't say, oh, we'll just switch to a different party. It's like, hold on, we're we're contracted with this mm. party now. It's too As- late. Well, especially right now when everyone is so backlogged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's so good. those are 
those are helpful construction phase documents that have helped me. And it's so fast for me now because they're templates in my Dubsado. I just go in and change a few dates or change the parties because they're all highlighted with what I need to adapt for that specific client. Mm-hmm. Send it off. It's done. And then it lets me get back to my part of the process. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. Dubsado, not sponsored. I wish they would. Um, Other thing, I think I'm still waiting into emails, like templated emails. I wish I was better. My inbox isn't so crazy that I can't, but I have started to notice that some of mine are duplicating and I can copy and paste some portions. Yeah, and I think email templates are helpful when it's a lot of information that you're like, I started, I finally created one for my new project kickoff of like all the, it's kind of an expectations email. It's things that we've already talked about, but it's just some redundant things in another email in written form. Yeah. Um, it tends to be things like that, that are kind of bigger things to write. Also, the difficult conversations. Sometimes it's nice just to have snippets that Mm -hmm. you can go back to. Yeah. I, especially because you don't want to spend forever re reinventing these emails over and over again, because that's email communications are billable time. Like, yeah. And I get back, I always go back to the emotional labor of it when it's something you don't want to do. Like if it's an eat the frog and it's something that's Mm -hmm. weighing on you and Oh, I gotta write this client back about a disappointing update, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. If you take one more thing out of it that makes it, you know, one more difficulty removed, then you're it's a little easier to just do it. Absolutely. It comes more yeah. robotic. Like you can get the robot on it. <laughs> and then just it's done. It's yeah. no and it's no done. feelings. It's done. You don't have to I find do... the right words. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. I do use both in Dubsado and in my Gmail suite. I do schedule send emails all the time. Something that's helpful for me has been um, my weekly check-ins and follow-ups with clients is I either delay them to send. So people aren't expecting immediate responses from me. Cause then you get into that game of, uh, Oh look, he's online right now. Let me reply back really quick. And then you're like, okay, no, like, that's not what I'm doing right now. We're not going to play email tag. Um, But I will set like pre-schedule them. And it does help with the Sunday scaries to go in and already have stuff that's scheduled to go out Monday morning, first thing. So that way clients are getting that hit again of, oh, this is what's in store for this week or something's coming up. What's next? Those are helpful. Yeah. I also do it with vendors those automated um just checking in but i make but i do it in a like i'm like i know what their time zone is i'm gonna make sure this lands in their inbox when they're gonna see it versus like you don't want them to come in monday morning and get buried get buried in their 50 million weekend emails very so that i want it to like pop into their inbox at 10 a.m their time and then you, it's hopefully they're sitting there looking at it and they go, Oh, what's that? And let it me works. Check it. it totally works. Yeah. Because they're, they're live real time getting into the information. So you need to activate settings, at least for mine, I had to activate settings in Gmail for, for templates. Um, 
So there's, we can link some steps to that in the show notes. If you're not familiar with how to do that in your, in your Gmail suite. Mm-hmm. Um, but scheduling sends is already there. That's a big help. Um, I use airmail and it has a way to do a po- um, schedule email. So yeah. Send later, I think it's called. Yeah. And Dubsado already has that in their emails as well. So that that's kind of nice that you can put together some of those like contracts, formal notifications, yeah, follow-ups. So, I mean, I think it's, yeah, about setting boundaries with your personal time and <laughs> trying to get a response out of people. Totally. I mean, this is the big stuff. It's not everything. It's This is not a process party, so we can't get through to every possible email or plan or things that are included. It's just, it's not, we can't do it all at once. You're so you're setting the listeners' expectations? Yeah, y'all, you got to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I think, again, it's a huge part of our job. So hopefully these little tips and tricks were helpful or inspire you in another area. We'd love to hear some if you have new ones. Yeah, send us your methods of setting client expectations, whether it's documents or templates or however you do it. Give us those hacks. So until next time, stay hot, designers. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Do you need to answer that? Cecily's. Okay. Mom. Hello. Hi, Mom. Hi, darling. I'm learning you're going to come and pick me up. Why are you asking? Are you just managing your expectations? Yeah. Let's say one hour. And maybe we'll go get some lunch. No, like McDonald's? No, maybe not McDonald's. Let's try something else. Lumberjack? Lumberjack? Oh my gosh, girl, we need to work on your taste. Okay, I'll I'll call you when I'm leaving, okay? Okay, bye. Okay, weirdo. Bye. She just called me Jack and the Beanstalk. See ya, golden goose. (laughs) Wow. Jack and the Beanstalk? Yeah. I don't understand that.